Genesis chapter 11. Um, I don't typically name my sermons, but if I were going to name this sermon today, the name of it would be Shut Up. Yeah, yeah, that's great, great. There it is. That's, that's what's going on the internet. Shut up. Um, Hebrews chapter 11. And parents, make sure you listen really close to this one day. You can use this on your children. <laughs> Shut up. No, we don't say that word. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. It says this, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. How many of you have ever heard this story before? Right? Of the people of God trying to cross the Red Sea, God rescues them, they cross on dry ground, and then the Egyptians are falling behind and the water crashes in on them and, and, uh, and they're gone. So what's crazy though is this verse right here is actually um, in a list of a whole bunch of people that are doing some really amazing thing. In fact, what the writer of Hebrews is doing right here, he's actually kind of giving the history of God's people. And, it, and it, it may or may not mean a lot to you depending on on um, how much you know about these different Bible verses and stories in here. But what this writer is doing, he's actually going from person to person throughout history and showing that by faith they did really awesome things. And he's actually just picking out individuals. He talks about Abraham, he talks about Isaac, he talks about Jacob, talks about Joseph, he talks about Noah, he talks about all these people he talks about Rahab the prostitute individuals all the way through and actually he gets to this spot this is the only place in this passage where he talks about a group of people and he said by faith this group of people God's people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land now how did they do it by faith by faith so my question is okay so I think context is really important why in the world is he trying to encourage these people about these stories of faith and he, if, if you read it, he's like, he's like, hey, you remember how Noah did this thing? He did it by faith. Hey, you remember how Abraham did this thing? He did it by faith. Hey, you remember how so-and-so did this thing? They did it by faith. And what he's doing, if, if, if this writer had been preaching a sermon, he'd be to that part of the sermon where he's really like hammering it. Like, and it was by faith, and it was by faith, and it was by faith. And I'm, the reader at this point would have been like, oh my goodness, like getting really excited. But why is he talking about it? Well, because these people right here who are reading this are going through a hard time. If we back up, let's rewind to um, chapter 10. And let's go to verse 32. It says, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, that means after you accepted Christ, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. How many have ever had a hard struggle with sufferings? Yeah. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and afflictions. Sometimes being partners with those so treated. Some, you know, sometimes it's hard just when people close to you go through hard times is what it's saying, right? Um, 
34. For you had compassion on those in prison. And get this. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. I think I can just close my Bible and go home. with, <laughs> Go ponder on that for a week. We're done. Right? Now I've got to find my spot again. All right. You joyfully accept the plundering of your property. These people have a hold of Jesus different than some of us. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. That when they lost everything, they knew they had something that couldn't be taken away. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have a need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for. And then he quotes a little passage here. It says for a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. Verse three is a big deal here. He says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, how will his righteous one live by what? By faith. But don't shrink back is what he's saying. And then he echoes this again in the next verse. He says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then he goes into this list of people who have lived by faith. And what he's saying is, you know this list of all these famous people you know that have lived by faith? That's the vintage that you're of. You're just like all these people. You don't shrink back. You live by faith, and by faith, you're going to do some pretty crazy things. And one of the crazy things in this list is people who walk into a sea, and the water split, and they walk on dry ground. That's crazy. And how are these people described? They're described as being people of faith. Now, let's talk about this story for a second so that everyone kind of knows what we're talking about here. So what's happened is God's people are slaves. Everyone say slaves. They're slaves in Egypt, all right? That would be a really hot, hot place to have to be a slave. Um, really sandy, too. So they were slaves there, and God wanted to get his people out of slavery, so he sent a guy named Moses. Now, how many have heard of Moses before? Okay, everyone's heard of Moses? Okay, so God sends Moses to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, probably the most powerful nation in the world at that time. So God sends Moses to the Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. And then through some intense negotiations, which we won't talk about today, Pharaoh finally agrees. Yeah, <laughs> you have to get through it fast today, all right? Um, so Pharaoh finally agrees. He said, fine, you guys can go. I'll let these slaves go. I'll let God's people go. So Moses leads these people out of slavery and if we take what it says in scripture there's if estimates probably around two million people give or take end up leaving egypt two million slaves freed and they're rocking along and we see this story in exodus everyone flip back to exodus now these names mean things did you know that the name Exodus means Exodus. It means to leave, right? And we're looking at the story which actually gave this book its name. 
Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel. Now, they're just pause for a second. They're leaving. They grabbed all their stuff. In fact, the Bible says that the Egyptians were like, I'm, the, the negotiations were quite intense, so intense the Egyptians were like, please just leave. And they actually gave them gold and stuff. Say, just get out of here, right? So they're leaving. And as they're leaving, this is what it says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, who? The Lord. He says, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of, I'm going to try this, Piharoth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. And you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Who told them to camp there? God. Now, let me just tell you something is that this Piharoth, Hi Piharoth, are you seeing that? It's not up there. Yeah, they're Pi, Pi. We'll just call it Pi. Um, Pi and, and that place, Bel Zephon. Bel was a god. Zephon means winter. Um, Bel Zephon was probably on Pi. It was like a mountainous place. It was a high place. They would build temples to these gods in high places because they were closer to the gods and they could worship them. It was like a mountain. So that was a mountain. Migdal was a fortress. So they have a mountain on this side. They have like this fortress over on this side. And they have the sea right here. So they're literally camped between a rock and a hard place, as my dad says. Right? So they're between a rock and a hard place, and they've got the sea on this side. Everything seems fine. Until it's not. Verse 3. It says that Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. And God's saying, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and I will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh's, what Jesus or God's saying, and all the hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord. And they did so. So what's it saying is the Egyptians have decided to pursue them. And we look at the next few verses. That's what happens. The Egyptians are like, you know what? We might have made a mistake. We don't have any help anymore around here. Let's go get these guys. Turns out they're in a really bad place. They're trapped right there by the sea. They have no direction to go. And, and we know, though, that they are going to step into the Red Sea. It's going to part. And how are they going to do it? By faith. So these are people of faith. Right? Well, let's look and see how they do. Um, Verse 10, let's skip to verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, so they've got the sea on this side, the mountains on this side, the fortress on this side, and the Egyptians on this side. They have nowhere to go. Um, it says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Probably a decent response. I don't know. I think I'd be a little scared. These are people of faith, though, remember. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now that is wisdom. I say this is probably one thing they did that was pretty smart, is they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, and this is probably not smart, 
Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? What's talking here, faith or fear? Yeah, this is fear talking, all right? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? And this is, I have this underlined. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. What? I can't help but look at us and think sometimes like when God is trying to push us into new things in our lives, when he's trying to bring us into new places, it's scary, it's different. And all we can do is think about the slaves that we once were when life was more peaceful. But can I tell you, it's a false peace. It's not peace. We think, we think having a predictable life is a peaceful life. We think having a predictable life is a peaceful life, and that's not a peaceful life. You can have a predictable life and be a slave. But there's no unknown, so you feel safe. You might be a slave, but there's no unknowns. But when God calls you to to step into something, to leave things behind, especially sin, sin that we want to hang on to, and God is calling us out from it, but it's what we know. And when he pulls us from that, it's hard for us. It says, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Um, oddly enough, these people will die in the wilderness. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, I think this is pretty great. He says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. That's some pretty good news. And I have three things here, and and you can underline these in your Bible if you want. I have three things that, that Moses told the people to do when they're experiencing fear. First of all, fear not. Stop fearing. Well, I can't help that. Well, apparently you can. Like, like you have to come to the point, and they, they say this all the time about people who do these heroic acts. They're like, weren't you afraid to like, well, yeah, but at some point you just got to like overcome that and just do the thing. So just stop fearing. You're so focused on the fear, like you can't do anything else. It paralyzes you. It says, fear not. Stand firm. And he's not saying stand in this place. What he's saying is stand firm on what you know is true. What do they know is true? Okay, just so you guys know, the negotiations that I talked about a while ago, there were lots of miracles there. They They saw God do lots of really crazy things. They can stand in knowing that God can do lots of crazy things to help them. They can stand and know that God is faithful to rescue them. He's already brought them this far. And he says, so don't be afraid. Stand firm and then see the salvation. And just, just watch. Just stop fearing. Be confident in God and just watch. Watch what God's going to do. Just stand back and watch. 
And this is what he says in 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. That's where I get the title of today's sermon. Shut up. Shut up and let God fight. I, I, I'm going to tell myself here for a second. Um, so every day I get a text from Jesus. That's what I say. It comes on my phone or my watch every day at 6.33. I set it up at that time because Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I get this text every day at 6.33. The mistake I made was to set it at 6.33 p.m. and not a.m. So every day at 6.33 p.m., I get a text from Jesus, I say, and I get to read a little, just one little verse. It's from the version, that Bible thing. It's the verse of the day. So we're on vacation. And I know this will surprise some of you, but I was a little sideways with everyone in my car that day. And I was, I was just a little bit, you know how you just get a little bitey. You know, we'd been in the car together for three days at this point, and uh, I was just a little bit like, you know what, I'm not sure I like any of you guys at all. And so every time someone did something, I just felt like I needed to correct them a little bit, let them know how they could have done it a little bit better. How I many know that wears on other people when you do that? And um, so I'm doing my whole thing, and then it kind of culminates in the one big fight. What's funny is you see the pictures on Facebook, right? And there's the people standing there like. Some of those are like. That's what some of those are, just so everyone knows. Like, so some of you are going to be going back to our trip, like, wonder which one it was. I'm not telling you. Um, so it kind of culminated between this one thing where I finally was, I mean, I'll be honest, it was me just being a turd um, to, my, to my spouse. And, uh, and I'd said some things, and, and uh, it was a little hurtful to her. And uh, I sat down in the passenger seat thinking, yeah, I told her. And then and I get my text from Jesus. <laughs> you know what it said? It said, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. <laughs> what you don't know is literally like five seconds before that text, my wife had told me to shut up. <laughs> and then my watch goes off and even God's telling me to shut up. And I'm like, That's pretty. That's a pretty tough spot you're in. And then I thought, I need to change my alerts from being at 6.33 p.m. to 6.33 a.m. Because I could have like, avoided a lot of problems today if I'd have just been quiet all day long and not griped about everything everyone was doing. Um, my mouth got me into a lot of trouble. But, but, but can, I, can I tell you what happens here? In verse 15 it says, The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. We want to spend so much time doing this when God's like, no, just do the thing. And guess what the people of Israel end up doing? Going forward, right? I mean, that's what they, they go forward. And you're like, okay, so they, 
they did it, and it, it ends up being a pretty amazing thing. It says here, if we, if we read the whole thing, we see that they cross on dry ground, and then the Egyptians try to chase them into the Red Sea, and Moses does a thing, and then the Red Sea swallows up the Egyptians so they don't get to cross, and you can probably see over here in, in chapter 15, Moses then writes this awesome song to God about how faithful he is. And it's, it's simply this. Shut up and move forward. God will do his part. You don't have to try to do God's part. You just need to be faithful and obedient to what God did. Um, what I think is crazy is, if we turn over to Psalms real quick, uh, one of the psalmists wrote a song about this event. This is, this is a worship song. <laughs> and in my Bible, it's titled, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Psalms 106. Did I not say that? Oh, I didn't say 106. I just said Psalms, didn't I? He, the psalmist writes, a, writes a, a, a song here about this event. It's called, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And this is the way it goes. It says, praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's a good name for the song. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare his praise? Blessed are those who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. And then he kind of shifts a little bit. He says, remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them that I may look upon your prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. And then I just want you to listen. You don't have to, this is a song, so it's kind of like a poetic license they took with this thing. So just kind of listen the way this happens. You don't have to memorize this or anything, but it says, both we and our fathers have sinned. Well, now he's taking a bigger turn. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Wow. All that we read just now, the psalmist, that's, he's calling that rebellion. Because they got there, and the first inclination, inclination wasn't, hey, Let's be faithful people of God and he'll take care of us. No, it was, why have you brought us here to die? Yet, even though they were rebellious, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered the adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed the words and they sang his praise. Good song. Right? That's verse 12. Verse 13. But they soon forgot his works. What? They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert and gave them what they asked for. Sent a, disease, a wasting disease 
among them. What, what's going on here? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Because if we look at Exodus, if, and, and we won't look at all this because there's Exodus is kind of a long thing, but if you look at Exodus, like, they get to this place called Mount Sinai, and on their way there, they see miracle after miracle. Like, they don't have water, and water comes from a rock. Like, they don't have food, and bread comes from heaven. They, they find some water that's bitter, and they throw a log into it, and it, like, becomes sweet and, and better. And then, like, they go to Mount Sinai, and they see, like, clouds and lightning and all this crazy stuff. And Moses goes up the mountain and talks to God, and he's gone a really long time. And Moses spends the next, like, 40 days just hearing from God on this mountain. You think, this is amazing. In fact, if you look, it's like chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. It's just Moses all up on the mountain hearing from God and then he comes down from the mountain on verse 30 in chapter 32 and what does he find he found it finds an idol and we won't read it for the sake of time but basically the, the, the short version is they're standing around they're wondering whatever happened to this Moses guy they turn to Aaron they're like hey Aaron we need a God he's like well we could make one Bring me all your jewelry. They melt it down. They make themselves a calf. A calf. I'm not sure why they, I'm sure there was a reason for a calf. Um, my friend Jenny got a calf the other day that she's going to raise so she can butcher it, but I saw her hugging it in her picture. I was like, you're not going to end up eating that calf if you're going to hug it when it's little. It's just, I don't know why a calf, but so they make a, a calf and they start worshiping it. And this is what Moses comes down to. And it like it blows my mind. Like, because here's why. And, and it, as he says it in the song, because this is what we do. When God does stuff for us, sometimes we praise the thing that God does for us more than God. And we're really, we're really excited about the feeling rather than the God. And so some of us really like praise and worship. Because we come in here, and we really like it when they sing our favorite song, because we can really feel God during our favorite song. But the reality is, is I wonder if we're praising our favorite song more than we are God. Because we feel something during that song. I mean, I can hear a song that's not about God, and it can make me feel something. I heard a song the other day. Um, my daughters wanted to watch The NeverEnding Story. Anybody remember that old movie? Yeah, creepy and weird. It doesn't hold up, just going to tell you. Um, but then a song came on, turn around. And I was like, I had a feeling. It brought me back to my childhood. I was like, I have a feeling when I hear this song. It's nostalgia. And that's sometimes I think when we hear certain songs, I think it's just maybe it's just the feeling of the song that we like more than God. Or when God does something for us, let's, let's say he heals us. And we're really thankful that he heals us. We're grateful for it. But sometimes we're more excited about the fact that we got healed than God showed his glory. And you know the key issue with these people of Israel, the reason they keep forgetting God, is because they keep getting really, really excited about the things that God's doing for them and not about God himself. And so we see God does miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's why it's so easy that you can see God do so many things 
And when he stops doing the things, you turn to other things that make you feel good. You turn to sin. You wish you were a slave again because you remember what that felt like. But God is calling us to something much greater than that. In, in this song, and I think it's crazy because the psalmist here, 106, the next section is the same thing. Verse 16, when the men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth swallowed them up. That's crazy. Verse 21, they forgot their God who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and saw awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach for them to turn his way his wrath from destroying them. Remember, this song is called Give Thanks to the Lord for He is Good. But most of the song is about how bad Israel was. Can you imagine if we got up this morning and we sang a song like this? It was like, God, you're so good and you're so awesome, but remember that one time Pastor Drew was a jerk in the band ride? going to Yellowstone and he forgot that you were God and he wouldn't shut up. Yeah. I had to after I shut up for a while. But that's what this song is, just so everyone realizes. Like, this song is about how crummy these people are and somehow through it all, God, it says, he keeps showing them mercy and grace. In fact, the, the resolution of it is in 43. This is, I mean, this song goes on and on about how terrible these people were. And then 43 says, but many times he delivered them. But when they were rebellious in their purposes, in their purposes, their whole purpose was to rebel. It says, and they were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of a steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say amen. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. What's this saying is, it doesn't matter how crummy you are, God is still good. And He still seeks to rescue you, even if your purpose is rebellious. Even if you have your heart set on rebellion, if you remember the Lord, He will rescue you. He will come to you. And, and this is the point made so plainly, if we flip over to Acts. There's a guy named Stephen in Acts. Have you ever heard of Stephen. So what happens is, um, let me give you some context here. This is a few uh, thousand years later, a few hundred years later, and uh, Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead, and then God sends his Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends into heaven. God sends his Holy Spirit, and now men and women of God are proclaiming the good news of Jesus everywhere. And Stephen, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He stands up and starts preaching 
to these guys. And what's going to end up happening is he's going to end up becoming the first martyr for the gospel. And so this is his sermon tactic. He's kind of going to do what the guy in Hebrews 11 does. He's going to recount the history of Israel. He's going to go through basically like a real quick history lesson. And so we're going to skip some of his history lesson. We're only concerned about the part that uh, we're talking about today, which is this whole Red Sea. And this is what it says in verse 35 of chapter 7. Well, let's back up to 33. Mm, no, let's just do 35. It says, this Moses whom they rejected. Now, wait a minute. What it's saying here is the people of Israel, when they were by the Red Sea and they were grumbling, they were rejecting Moses. Moses, why have you brought us out here to die, right? Saying, who made you ruler and judge? This man God sent as both a ruler and redeemer by the hand of an angel who appeared to him in a bush. And that's another story. God told Moses to go save them by appearing to him as a burning bush. That's what that is right there. But Moses was their savior, right? He was the one that was calling them out of slavery. That's what Stephen's saying here. It says, This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who the Israelites, who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. What he's saying is Jesus is coming. Someday there's going to be a prophet like me. It's going to be Jesus. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give us. And this is what it says in 39. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt. Three things there. They refused to obey. They thrust him aside and their hearts that turned to Egypt. And remember, this is this is Stephen comparing Moses to Jesus. He's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm giving you this history lesson so that you realize what they did to Moses, you're doing to Jesus. And the question that I have for us this morning is, are we doing this to Jesus? Do we refuse to obey Jesus? Do we thrust him aside and in our hearts? Do we turn to the things that were keeping us enslaved? And it goes on, verse 40, saying to Aaron, make us gods who will go before us as Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt. We don't know what's become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice to an idol and were rejoicing at the work of their hands. We can get pretty excited about what we do. Whenever we feel like God isn't doing his part, we force something to happen. Can I tell you, whether it's a car ride to Yellowstone, and I think, oh, I'm going to force this situation to be my way when I just need to shut up and let God fight my battle. And when we don't think God is doing his part, when we don't think God is doing his part, when he's even maybe put us in a position that seems difficult, like, God, let me force your hand. 
by making myself something that I can see and do. Let me do my own work. And God's saying, stop. Just be silent and let the Lord fight for you. Can I tell you, there's way more peace in just letting God fight for you than trying to fight those battles yourself. It's time for us to be obedient to the word of the Lord. And this is what, um, and um, can you guys, can you come back up? I'm done way faster than I thought I would be today. This is what it says, in, and I think it's really great. On Wednesday night, um, Jamie has, she's, she's been doing this on summers, so she has the students get up and teach. And uh, oh, it was pretty great because um, this last Wednesday, Michaela and Cicely got up and spoke and basically stole the ending of my sermon today, but that's okay. Um, that means God's trying to tell us something. And in Hebrews chapter 3, if you want to turn there, you can. If you just want to listen, this is, this is what it's saying. This is backing up from that Hebrews chapter 11 thing. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, how many know that God has a calling for your life? He has a heavenly calling for you. I don't know what it is. Well, maybe you need to shut up and listen. I'm sorry. I almost didn't say it again, but true. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses was faithful to in all God's house. What was Moses? He was faithful. How do you be faithful? You live by faith. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And you've got to realize, the people he's writing to, they thought Moses was like the cat's meow. They thought he was the stuff. And he's trying to tell them, no, wait, he, yeah, Moses was pretty great. But Jesus, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope I would encourage you to read the rest of that chapter because what it does is just re-preaches my entire sermon again I'll save you from it one more time. Because we saw it in Psalms 106. We saw it 
in Acts 7. We saw it in Exodus 14, and here it is again in Hebrews 3. It's just the recounting of this same story of, of our hearts can be so rebellious when we try to walk by the things that we can feel and see. Rather than being obedient and walking by faith through what God has for us. We, we, live, we live in a time that, that we see a lot of people wear the name Christian, but they don't walk by faith. In my heart, for all of us here this morning, is that when things start to seem like they're out of our control, that we just take a deep breath be silent and wait to see what the Lord wants to do and let him fight that battle now I'm reminded of that scripture you read at the beginning which talks about people joyfully enduring the plundering of their properties that, that doesn't happen unless you have something that's greater than what you have. What you have, your possessions, that's the stuff you can see. But Jesus is the thing that you can't see, but He's the thing that if you put your faith right there, right there, it's unshakable. I, I think it's... I think it's odd sometimes because... Um, I'll have students who graduated come back and they're like, oh, you're still at the school? Like, yeah, I'm still here. Um, God hasn't told me to go anywhere else yet. Or people will see me around town like, oh, you're still pastoring that church over there? Yeah, I'm still there. And then when hard times come up, you know, they pick up the phone. And they're like, hey, I, I need help with such and such. Can you pray with me about such and such? You can help me out with such and such. I'm like, yeah, Absolutely. And they really like the fact that there's consistency, right? There's, there's faithfulness. They like that. And yet they don't want to be faithful themselves. Jesus is that faithfulness. Like, he's the, he is the embodiment of what that faithfulness is. And that's why we put our eyes on him. The song says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That comes from the Bible about building your house on the rock. Jesus is that rock. He's that firm foundation. And what, what gives me great joy this morning is even if your heart has been completely rebellious, even if your heart has been completely turned from the Lord, the Lord in His grace and His mercy, He reaches out to us and He says, I'm still here. It would help me out a lot if you'd be a little quieter, though. Let me take care of this. Um.